Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Right. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you all. I want to just uh, thank you for uh, being a part of this today. In the last couple of uh, weeks, you've heard us talk about the Say Yes campaign. Sean just mentioned it again. And I just want to say this, that if this ministry, this church has impacted your life in any way, in a positive way, your, your marriage, your kids, your future, uh, one of the best ways that you can give back is through serving here. And uh, going by that Say Yes wall or taking the time to fill out a Connect card, let us know how we can follow up with you and help you to find the right spot. So I just encourage you to do that if you have not already done that. Um, and, uh, and and many of you who are participating, your kids are in our kids areas. You've noticed it is it is taking another step forward. Uh, we're so thankful for that. Uh, yeah, for those of you who would like to give the Lord a hand, let's just say thank you, God, for the beautiful spaces. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a dream come true. And even next week, it will be completed. So come back next week, and uh, we'll have uh, more to share with you then. Um, and so this weekend, we're going to complete, finish the series we've been in for a couple of weeks called The Comparison Game. And next week, I'm going to launch a brand new kind of little mini-series called Love Like Jesus. We've been talking about when it, when it comes to following Jesus, being a Christ follower, loving like him was critical to him, to that whole endeavor, that whole journey. He says that the way they're going to know you're my disciples is that you love each other as I have loved you in John 13, 34, and 35. So we're going to talk about where is it most difficult to do that? Like where is the, the biggest challenge to loving like Jesus? What are those? We're going to identify them, and then we're going to talk about how to move through those, how to move, what does Jesus say about how to develop and move through, because those are sticking places for a lot of people. Even if you're not a Christian, you're considering following Christ, you're not there yet, this could be an incredibly important part of your journey of understanding what does it mean to follow Jesus. I encourage you to be back next week to check that out. Uh, I think this will be, I'm praying, an aha and and a really kind of like releasing forward some spiritual growth in your life. So the last couple of weeks, we've been in this series entitled The Comparison Game. And we've been talking about this incessant um, tendency that's in all of our lives to compare our lives to other people. We just almost can't help it. We do it. We think about it all the time, comparing ourselves. And here's one of the things that we've said, we've discovered together, and that is this, that there is no winning the comparison game. As we looked at the first week, this passage from the Old Testament, uh, where King Solomon basically says it's a chasing after the wind. There's no finish line. There's no way to finally feel like you've arrived when you start doing this. It just doesn't work because there's always someone with a bigger-er. There's someone who's richer, who is faster, smarter, uh, healthier, happier, hipper, cooler than you are, okay? We all know people like that. Or their spouse is hipper, cooler, smarter, richer than yours. Or their kids are more athletic-er, you know, or more academic-er than yours are. And, and we tend to compare, kind of, you know, you don't say this to your spouse, right? You don't say it to your kids because you could mess them up and be in therapy the rest of their life. But you, you think, I wish they were a little more like 
you know, so-and-so's kids or so-and-so's spouse. And you, it's hard, and it kind of really steals your joy. It steals your contentment when you do this. But Ur has a funny kind of flip side to it, too. So there are those that we kind of envy on that end of the Ur, and there's, there are those that we are kind of thankful we're not like, right? Again, we're not going to talk about it at church, but I'll go ahead and bring it up. There are those who you would look at that are poorer than you, that are slower, that are heavier, that are nerdier than you are. And you look at them and you go, thank you, Lord. I'm not like, and you feel superior to them because you're comparing. But the funny thing about comparison is that whether we're looking over our left or our right shoulder, we're constantly trying to find a reference point. We're trying to find where are we in comparison to everyone else? Am I okay? Am I doing all right? Do I? And, and that's what's going on here. And what happens is that we find eventually, hopefully sooner rather than later, is that comparison is always a thief of joy. And I would add to that, it's a thief of contentment. It's a thief of peace. If you are right now in your life saying, I struggle, well, if I'm really, <laughs> I struggle to have joy sometimes. I struggle with peace. I struggle with being content with myself, with my situation, my family, my financial I struggle. This message is just for you, okay? Because we all have had that at times, sometimes more than others, but it comes from this comparison game that we're participating in that we can't win. So I hope that you're kind of going, aha, that's why, as we go through this today, trying to kind of figure this out. But we're all searching, whether you have consciously thought about this this way or not, we're searching for a reference point out there in the world somewhere that will help show us, tell us whether we're okay or not. Here's the big question that I kind of posed to you and said, here's what I want you to be thinking about. Who or what am I going to use as my reference point to tell me I'm okay? And here's what I told you, that even if you haven't formally thought about your answer to this, you already have answered it. You already, I already have a default. Every person, man, woman, boy, and girl, everybody has a default. They're not all the same, but you have an answer for how you figure out whether you're okay whether what you're doing. Many times we wind up picking a who that is in a similar place in life. It's a brother. It's a sister. It's a brother-in-law. It's a sister-in-law. It's a friend. It's an old roommate. It's a best friend. It's a current roommate. It's your GPA sometimes. It's the dollar amount you make a live, you know, for a year. It's, it's how much do you make? Does that tell you you're okay if you drop below a certain level, I'm not okay, because why? My reference point tells me I am not okay. Who or what is that for you? We've, we've tried to dig down deep, drill down and say, what is that? Think deeply about this, because this can mess you up if you get it wrong, okay? It can really hurt you. It can really wreck your life and your relationships, and it has a ripple kind of... Uh, um, kind of like an earthquake. The, the tremors go into other relationships, into other people's lives. It can affect your kids and your marriage and your workplace. And what you choose will impact those around you as well. This is why it's so important that if you really are serious and you really want to break out of the comparison game, we talked about this last week. Here's what you have to do. You have to make as your reference point the one who made you who loved you and redeemed you. 
And we talked about the fact, and Jesus makes this abundantly clear in the New Testament, he didn't come just to forgive us of sin. Yes, that is a big part of it. But he came to adopt us into his family. It wasn't just this um, judge, you know, defendant kind of relationship that we're just trying to satisfy the, the legal, judicial kind of offense that we have against heaven. And Jesus came to pay that and get it all right. Okay, yeah, it's not just that kind of a transaction. He's saying, no, I want an intimate personal love relationship like a father with a child. Like, you're my daughter. You're my son. I want you to be close with me. I want us to do this life together. And and that changes this dynamic of I'm always looking out here to see if I'm okay because I have a heavenly father that's constantly telling me I am and that I'm loved and I'm okay. And that my situation and my story and my deal that I'm dealing with in my life is not like everybody else's on purpose. And so when I go to compare, I'm going to make myself miserable because I'm holding myself up to a standard that God never intended for me to have to live up to. And where I'm trying to to jump through hoops, God's going, why are you doing this? Why are you acting like this is what your life is all about. It's not all about this. And when we pick the wrong reference point, ladies and gentlemen, it begins to destroy us from the inside out. And King Solomon said as much in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. Here's what he says. If you would, let's read these highlighted words together as we go through these verses. It says, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy, what does envy do? Envy rots. Isn't that a great word? It's disgusting, isn't it? Rots the bones. It eats you up from the inside out. It eats you up because you're constantly comparing. You never measure. It's never quite good enough. And even when you are, the pride and the arrogance that comes from I'm a little better than, it eats you up as well. James, the half-brother of Jesus, chapter 3, verse 16, in, in his contribution, his book in the New Testament, he says, For where you have envy and selfishness, selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every what? Every evil practice. Now, this is a really astute observation by James. And here he was in the first century saying this, but it's incredibly relevant today. He says, you could take every evil practice, every atrocity done in society, horrible crimes that are done, and he says, if you will trace the root of that behavior down far enough, you will find it comes from envy. Somebody didn't have something they wanted, and they were willing to use force or whatever it took to satisfy their selfish ambition. They will do whatever it takes to finally feel okay about me, even if that means killing someone or hurting somebody or taking what's not mine or or whatever I have to do, I'm going to sat. And somehow in their mind, they have justified it. Like it's okay for me to do this and to hurt and to take and to whatever. He says it all comes down to this envy this comparison game that's going on it takes you down a a bad road and it'll cause you to get in debt that you don't need to be in because you want to sort of get up to a certain mark a certain reference point it's going to cause you to make decisions rash decisions sometimes that you're going to regret later you wish that you had thought this through but there was pressure in the moment that if i don't do what these people say and i don't go along with these friends then i might not be their friend anymore and i can't lose that reference point 
And we cause ourselves to do really selfish and self-destructive things sometimes trying to keep that comparison game going. And finally, Job, one of the oldest books in the Old Testament, Job said this. He says, resentment kills a fool and envy, what does envy do? Envy slays the simple. It destroys them over and over. Three different authors, three different time periods spanning across hundreds, hundreds, even thousands, uh, over, over a thousand years saying we see and observe the same thing in human nature. And I would say we still got it right down to today. We all are susceptible to fall into this rut of the comparison game. We still do. Now, here's what we, here's what we know is that behind your envy is a feeling that God has shortchanged you. Behind your envy, there's this feeling, we're going to talk about this today, there's this tension behind this, 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 this comparison. It's saying, God, you owe me better. You should have given me what you gave her. You should have given me what you gave him. I, I, I should have what other people have. And today we're going to look at a parable that Jesus shares with us. That in this parable, he's going to explain this tension that we all feel and how this tension tends to bleed over into our faith, bleed over into our view of God, and that can either poison that relationship and cause us to distrust him, pull back from him, and justify never being a part of his body or a church or a part of Christians or, and, and, or it can cause us to trust him more when we get that right. And when we understand maybe for the first time what God might be trying to do through our circumstances in our life. So this parable we're going to be looking at today is found in the gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, gospel of Matthew chapter 25. It's going to begin with verse 14. And in this parable, as we go through it, I want you to be thinking about how you feel about this comparison game that's going on in your own life. Are there times where you feel shortchanged? You feel like God owes you? And hopefully as we go through this, this will bring some perspective to where you are currently. Here's what Jesus shares. Now, he, he's actually telling a couple of parables, a couple of stories, these metaphors, back to back to try to explain to his followers, here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he says, again, it, it referring to the kingdom of heaven, he says, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and, let's say it together, and entrusted his wealth to them. Okay, so he says uh, he's called his servants together. He's going to entrust his wealth or his possessions. This is, this is we're led to believe since he has these servants, he's probably very wealthy, and he is entrusting, he's putting them in, uh, as, as managers over his things to, to define this word entrustment. Entrusted was that he expected them to manage his wealth the way he would. That's what he was expecting. That's what he was putting this wealth into their hands and into their entrustment so that they would manage what they had been given the way that he would manage it. Now, let me just pull back the veil a little bit before we go any further in the parable because we're always trying to figure out in this parable, okay, who are we? Who's God? What's going on? Clearly, Jesus is showing us that this master over the servants is himself. And the servants are us, okay? And Jesus is showing that 
when our life comes to an end, there is going to be a moment when our physical life is over and we will intersect. Those of us who have made the decision to follow Christ, trusted him for salvation, is going to intersect with the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, I'm going to show you. I'm going to pull back the veil and I want to show you what that moment is going to look like. There is something very important that's going to happen at that moment. There's some accountability. You need to be aware of it. You need to understand this dynamic. There's a certain design to the way your life has been made and the, the way that God looks at it. And, and we need to begin to look through that lens. And so here's what he says. He says, to one, these bags of gold, he's to one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, he gave two bags. To another, one bag. Each according to his, let's say it together, to his ability. Okay. Now, his ability to manage what they had been given. So, these bags of gold is the Greek word talent. The talent literally means a, it was a measurement of weight. It was 75 pounds. It is a bag of 75 pounds worth of gold, which would be equivalent to about 20 years of an average laborer's wage. Okay, so think about what you make in a year times 20. Okay, this is no small sum of money. It's important that you keep this in mind. That this is a lot of money. Even if you got one bag, it is a lot. It's a huge, 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 huge opportunity. Okay. So here's what happens. Then he went on his journey, and the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Okay, now before we go any further, uh, I want to just say to you, this is an interesting moment here. He gives one five bags, one two bags, and another person one bag. Now, just for the record, I want to share with you, all of us in this room are the two-bagger person, okay? Two-bagger. Me too. We're all two-bagger. Let me explain why I said that. Because every one of us in this room know somebody, we can look over our left shoulder and go, that guy has less than me. This, this girl has less than me. And we all know somebody that's got a lot more than us, don't we? Even if we don't know them personally, we know of them, that they got way over my, twice as much as you've got. They have a lot. And it's very easy in those comparisons to look over our shoulder and say, wow, I'm relieved I'm not that person, and I'm a little envious that I'm not that person. And the, the comparison game constantly creates this tension in us that we can't quite feel peace, contentment, or joy because we're not like someone that we tend to envy. Now, let me ask you a question. And I want you to really be honest with yourself, really think deeply. What if, for just a moment, what if you truly believe with every fiber of your being that all of your talents, your gifts, your abilities, your opportunities, your intellect, your relationships, your marriage, your kids, everything that you've been given, everything was a gift from God. And it was not a gift for you to act like you own, but it was a gift for you to manage. It's literally on loan from God. It is something that God's saying, I'm giving it to you to enjoy. I want you to invest it well, and I want you to be careful with it, but it's for me. 
If you really believe that everything that you had, and not just everything you had, but everything everybody else in this room, in this city, and in this nation and world has is a gift from God, how would you feel about that? What would your feeling be? Would you be mad about it? You angry? Would you be thankful? I want you to keep that in mind. How would you feel? So we've got these two guys, the first two, the one with five, he goes out, invests it, doubles his money. The second one with two goes out, doubles his money. These two guys understood something. They understood that this entrustment that they were given, this entrustment came with responsibility. This is so critical. This is so important that we understand that everything that we have been entrusted with in this life has a string attached to responsibility. That there comes with responsibility. Your education has a responsibility. Your relationships have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to those people. Your, your income, where, you know, who's in your life, what you're doing, your skill and ability, it comes with responsibility. A question of how do I leverage this in the direction, in, in a way that would honor the one who gave the gift in the first place. What I'm telling you is radical. It is very different than the way the rest of the world considers the stuff that they have. It's really all about me to amass and to grow and to envy and to get what I don't now have, and it's all about a chasing after the wind. And I'm telling you, that is not the path to peace, contentment, and joy. It doesn't get there. It is a dead end. And Jesus is helping us to see, watch how these guys respond. He goes on to say this. He says, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned. Now, let me say this real quick. Why did he go and dig a hole in the ground? I have to believe that this servant had this kind of mentality, this thought that compared to these guys, I got nearly nothing. Like, I don't have any, this is not very impressive. Now, if he was, like, everybody just got one bag, then he'd probably been going, wow, 20 years wages, that's incredible, that's a lot of money, wow. But he's going, compared to guy number, with, with two, and compared to guy five, with five, I got nearly nothing. I almost have nothing. So I'm just going to do basically nothing with it. I'm just going to bury it. I give up. I quit. I'm not going to even try. I'm just going to coast. I'm just going to kind of mail it in, in terms of life. I'm not going to really try. And maybe some of you feel a little bit about your life, or at least some department or area of your life that you feel like, I've just given up, Will. If I'm really honest, I gave up on that relationship. I gave up on this career. I gave up on, I've just thrown in the towel. I'm done. I'm done. And here's what Jesus goes on to say. He says that after a long time, the master of those servants returned. Now, we're left to understand after a long time means after a lifetime. At the end of their lives, and not just their lives, again, remember, Jesus is showing us a picture of our lives. At the end of our lives, all that was entrusted to us, there's something important that's going to happen. He says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Why? Because all that they had belonged to him. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. And he goes on to say, Master, he said, you, let's say it together, you entrusted, in other words, you 
put me in charge to invest the way you would. You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Jesus goes right into the second guy. He finishes by saying, come and share your master's happiness. Some translations say, your master's joy. Come and share. Man, you just thought it was good down there. I'm going to show you true, pure, unadulterated joy. It's going to be great. You're free. You're really free. It's going to be amazing. And I'm going to give you even more wonderful things in this life to come. <clears throat> Master, he said, uh, pardon me. Um, and then it says, the, the man who had two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you, let's say it together, you entrusted, once again, me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And then the master goes on. He says, uh, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Now, let me pause for a second and notice the guy with two bags and the guy with five bags had the exact same reward, irregardless of how much they were given. I want you to take note of that, okay? It did not matter how much they were given. It did not determine the reward at the end. We're going to talk more about that in just a minute, okay? In charge of many things come in your master's happiness, his joy. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, investing, or pardon me, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. I knew you were a winner-takes-all kind of guy. You didn't squander an opportunity. You take full advantage <clears throat> pardon me, of every opportunity that comes your way. And this scared me a little bit, okay? He goes on to say, he says, so I was afraid. What was he afraid of? He was afraid of what would happen to him if he lost the one, right? He was scared. So here's what I did. I went out and hid it, your gold in the ground. I just sort of gave up. I just threw in the towel and I dug a hole and I, I, I a really nice little hole. You know, master, it was really nice. And then I buried it and there it was. And so here it is. You know, get the dust off. Give it right back to you. Okay, here you go. And this is what happened. And he says, see, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, worthless, let's say it together, lazy servant. You weren't as afraid as you were just lazy. You gave up. You quit. And the amazing thing about God is that when we feel like giving up, those are the times throughout Scripture he says, I'm right there with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you take the next... You can't, you can't, don't give up, don't quit, don't be lazy, don't throw in the towel, don't give up too easily. You live in a world of people who give up too easily. You give up on people, you give up on yourself, you give up on your future, you stop trying way too soon. Keep trying, keep working keep investing stop acting like it's all up to you it doesn't belong to you it is on loan from me and i love you but you've got to get up and unearth this junk that you have this well, not junk it's it's treasure that you have buried and it's time to invest it well jesus is showing us lazy servant 
So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. At least you could have done that. At least you could have done something. At least give it to somebody else. Let them develop it. Do something with it. Go on. He says, take the bag of gold from him. This is maybe a little shocking. And give it to the one who has 10 bags. Wait, 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 wait. Now that seems really unfair. What this master is doing right here and what Jesus is showing us is that he's simply doing what every good leader does. What do good leaders do? Good leaders take their best opportunity and they give it to their most responsible person. And the one who's been irresponsible, even what little they have, it's taken away from them. Isn't it true that someone who is recurring in terms of their irresponsibility, habitual with bad, poor, selfish, self-destructive decisions, before long, they got nothing. They got no one. It is a destructive path to be on. And part of what causes that destruction is comparison. Why should I even try? I give up. I'm going to do whatever I want because I can't measure up. I can't be enough. I can't whatever enough. So I'm quitting. And it's taken away from him. For those who have will be given more, Jesus says, and they will have an abundance. As for those who do not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now we're led to understand, be underst- uh, to understand what Jesus is talking about here isn't hell. If what he's talking about here is that the servant was a house servant and now he just got kicked out of the house. He is frustrated, he is angry, he is mad at himself for being lazy. He didn't manage well his master's things. The point, I don't want us to miss the big point of the whole parable. Here's the big point of the whole parable. What you have, ladies and gentlemen, is less important than what you do with what you have. We need to teach this to our kids and our grandkids. We need to remind ourselves every single day, this is how God sees our lives. What you have been given, stop comparing yourself, because everybody's got different stories and different things and different gifts and abilities and relationships and opportunities. They're all different. So it doesn't matter how much you've been given, it's what you choose to do with what you have been given. So important. And some of us, if we're really honest about our deep down emotions, I'm not talking about what you would say when you're at church, or if I were to ask you what you would say, I'm talking about how you feel, because how we feel many times dictates how we behave, and how you feel deep down. The comparison of your life has made you angry with God. It's made you upset. And if you're really honest, you'll say, that's kind of true. Some of you would say, yes, and I need to deal with that. I don't want to live like that. As a matter of fact, here's, I'm going to ask you a series of really tough questions as we finish out this message together. Are you going to spend the rest of your life mad at God? Are you going to spend the rest of your life mad like you owe me better? You shortchanged me, God. Do you really feel like that? If that's the case, you need to know that you're going to be giving away your peace, your contentment, your joy. So the question, next question, will you give away? Really, are you going to do that? Will you give away your peace, contentment, and joy because you didn't get what someone else got? If we're just really honest, like really honest, it's not as complicated as we once thought. This is actually the issue. 
why we're kind of mad at God or we didn't get what, why we haven't been, we've we kind of had distance between us and God. It's partly because he didn't give me what he gave someone else. He owes me, you know. So what are you going to do with what God has entrusted to you? This is ultimately one of the most important questions we could ask. What are you going to do with what God has entrusted to you? Because there's coming a time when we will be accountable for what we've done with what he's given us. Now, this isn't losing your salvation, being kicked out of heaven. This is just God saying, I've blessed you with some stuff. I've given you a bag of gold. I've given you some talent. I've given you opportunity. What did you do with it? How did you use it? How did you leverage it? Let's talk about that. It's important to ask these tough questions. Life's short. And every minute that you and I waste comparing ourselves to other people is a moment that we subtly accuse God for shortchanging us. You owe me better. It's a moment that we cheat ourselves out of reaching our God-given potential because we're too busy looking over our left shoulder and our right shoulder trying to figure out where we are based on where everyone else is. And I'm telling you, there is no winning that game. There is absolutely no way to win the comparison game. A much better way to do it is to celebrate what God has blessed other people, to genuinely be happy for them, and to invest well what he has given you and be thankful for it, and to focus down on here's what God's given me and stop getting into everybody else's business. And I know it's hard today with social media and everything else because you're constantly bombarded with the highlight reel of everyone else's life. It's not their real life, it's the highlight reel from their life. It's the best moments. Moments. It is easy to compare. Wow, their vacation looks way better than ours. Their kids would do way better. They look so much prettier than us. We can't take a picture that pretty, you know, and it's easy to start comparing. Stop it. Quit it. It's destructive. It's self-defeating. Begin to look to God. Thank you, Lord, for what you have given me and help me to invest well what I have and to celebrate what others have and stop comparing. Here's the prayer of commitment. I'm asking you to pray with me. Jesus, help me to see that what you have given me is less important than what I do with what you've given me. I am thankful for what you have entrusted to me, and I want to invest it well. And for some of you that have never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, the talent, the bag of gold that he sat in front of you today is an opportunity to say yes to him to receive his salvation, a forgiveness from all your sin, and to begin a relationship with Jesus as the Lord, the leader of your life. And for others of you who have already made that decision to follow Christ, today is the day to say, okay, God, if I'm really honest, it's time for me to unearth some stuff that I kind of have given up on, I've buried. I have written some people off. I've written situations off. I don't even try at work anymore. I, I stopped trying with these kids. You wouldn't say that out loud, but you're like, oh, my gosh, I've prayed and I've done everything. I don't know what else to do. I, and I've given up on this marriage. I've given up on this whatever, this relationship. I get Whatever it is, you know, God may say it's time for you to dig up some stuff and let's start investing it while you still have time. Let's start using this well. Let's start investing well. Make the most of the opportunity you've been given. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, 
Visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.